Welcome to the first episode of Anxiety and the Artist. For this episode, I had a conversation with actor-turned-psychotherapist Alyssa Goldstein. Alyssa provided so much valuable information that we decided to break it down into two episodes. In the first episode, we'll discuss what anxiety is and how it can negatively affect artists. In the second episode, we'll explore what types of therapy are out there and available to artists, and also what to look for in a therapist. A quick disclaimer before we begin. This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Alyssa Goldstein. Alyssa's first passion and career, and how I know her, was as a stage and screen actor. She began her career as a child, working in commercials and appearing in theater off-Broadway. She received her BFA in musical theater from Cal State Fullerton and worked for 15 years as a performer on stage and in commercials and voiceovers. Her life experience working in the arts created an unexpected, seamless transition into her new passion, the helping profession. Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's so good to hear your voice after all these years. Yes. Yes. Right. (laughs) It took us quarantine to get it together, but here we are. Right. (laughs) So how has your background as an artist informed your career as a therapist? Wonderful question. I've asked myself that many times. Um, as most artists, I think it's part of our nature or our temperament that leaves us, you know, susceptible to wanting a life in the arts, you know, and that includes mm-hmm. characteristics mm-hmm. such as empathy, relating to others, you know, high emotional intelligence. You know, I think that that's kind of characteristics that a lot of us performing artists kind of have innately. And, right. um, I think a lot of those characteristics, uh, that are innate in people going after a career in the arts are the same characteristics of people who go towards being therapists. So, um, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, thinking back to my, when I first started grad school, you know, I was with all these psych majors (laughs) and here I was like the actress. Mm. Um, and you know, I remember in one of our first classes, we had to, do these things that most of my classmates and they're geniuses, they're wonderful and shout out to them if they're listening. Um, but a lot of them were not comfortable with one of the first things that we had to do, um, in grad school, our first semester, which was to be able to kind of take sort of a self inventory of ourselves and have this self awareness. Mm -hmm. We actually did therapy on each other And we had to go to these places of vulnerability. And, you know, for me, I was thinking, you know, okay, so I'm going to cry in front of everybody, share my deepest shames about my life and, um, you know, just stand here in public and, and, and do this with no problem. That's just another day at the office for me, you know, (laughs) for them, it was like, Mm -hmm. um, what? (laughs) So the thing was, was that, you know, once I was in that space, I kind of knew I was like, this is what I've been doing, right? There's, there's so much that is conducive from one career to the other, you know, and that's what our professors kind of kept saying. They're like, you know, you can't be a good therapist if you can't, you know, kind of go inside and know, you know, your own feelings, behaviors, and thoughts and how they're interrelated and really deal with your own stuff. 
Like grad school for therapy was very interesting that it was very similar to when I was in undergrad for theater, right? Where it was a lot of your own stuff, (laughs) you know? Uh Right. So, um, I think, you know, so I think that that's part of the similarity too, is that there's also that sense of using ourselves as a vessel, right? So like in acting, you know, we're using ourselves as a vessel for, you know, to, to, you know, to kind of get the story across or to be a character. Um, and in therapy, we're using ourselves as a vessel for healing. So my next question for you is what is anxiety and can you give us a clinical explanation and then kind of put it into layman's terms? So basically, anxiety is an adaptive biological response that arises when we're facing dangerous situations. So it's okay. kind of like our internal alarm system, if you will. So when okay. we perceive danger, and remember what I'm saying, perceive, when we perceive danger, mm-hmm. this internal alarm activates our sympathetic nervous system, which releases a rush of adrenaline and triggers what we call the flight, fight, or freeze response. Response. Okay. (laughs) Which uh, then affects us physiologically. So to explain that a little more, this physiological activation serves to rapidly increase our heart rate, pump blood through the body, slows down digestion, and metabolizes fats and sugars to energize the body. So basically, it's getting the body ready. It's instinctual. Mm -hmm. So if you're Mm -hmm. on a camping trip and a bear is actively trying to get into your tent, uh, your sympathetic (laughs) nervous system will automatically go into what I'm calling the fight, flight, or freeze mode. Um, and some of the symptoms might include racing hearts, sweating, nausea, upset stomach. Um, and, and that, you know, you can kind of think of, you know, when you get butterflies in your stomach or if you have to suddenly go to the bathroom a lot, right? Cause sure. for instance, digestion is one of the processes in our body that isn't needed at times of danger, right? So if we're going to run from a bear <laughs> on our camping trip, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if our body has just digested the s'mores we just made, right? At that moment, it's got to run. So because of this anxiety, you know, it might lead to feelings of your stomach feeling upset, nausea, diarrhea, having to pee a lot, right? So again, I'm just kind of saying all these things. So when it happens to people's bodies, they realize that this is a physiological instinctual response. It's not about necessarily what you're thinking. It's about what, you know, that your body is going into this survival mode. You can also feel dizzy or lightheaded you know, because our blood and oxygen is basically going to all the major muscle groups when we're in danger so we can run, you know, and so we're breathing much faster to move oxygen towards those muscles, which then in turn can lead to, you know, kind of feeling like you're going to hyperventilate, right? Right. (laughs) So that can make you feel dizzy or lightheaded, Um, you know. So this is all coming from a perceived threat or danger. These are all the the reactions that we, our bodies have. Exactly. To a perceived threat or danger. Right. Exactly. Okay. So then how does, so let's go ahead. Oh yeah. So yeah, I mean, and there's more, but you know, there's tight or painful (laughs) chest, you know, um, 
because your body thinks it's, you know, in danger and it's, it's hard when you're trying to take in the large breath. So basically anxiety can be useful when there's a real threat to your personal safety or well-being, um, you know, mm-hmm. like this bear, um, or even if you're like walking down a dark street, you know, there, there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's survival there. It's, it's, it's adaptable. It's what we need. Um, you know, right. so in these situations, it does serve a purpose. exactly. It serves a purpose. It serves to alert you and protect you, you know, and the other time that anxiety is considered helpful is actually for everyday things. So like when there's something important that requires your time, your attention, um, anxiety can actually prompt you, um, you know, because it's kind of like focus you, activate you, motivate you, it raises the stakes of something, you know, it pumps just enough adrenaline to kind of get you off your butt. Right. (laughs) So it's kind of Mm -hmm. like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, if we have an audition coming up, you know, that kind of, you know, that little bit of nervousness is, you know, what motivates us to prepare for the audition. Right. So normal, normal anxiety, the best way to put it, normal anxiety is anxiety that is appropriate to the situation. And when the situation is over, we eventually let that go and we move on. Right. So in contrast, disordered anxiety (laughs) is when the worry or fear is disproportionate to the situation. So when our body goes into this flight, fight, or freeze response, when we believe there is a threat or danger, even if there isn't. So anxiety is considered disordered when we feel we are in danger, when we are actually safe, right? And in our world, we, you know, we diagnose anxiety as a disorder basically when it starts causing what we say is significant distress or impairment in the functioning of our everyday lives, you know, and it can create significant disruption in our lives and can interrupt or even stop us from participating in a variety of experiences, which, you know, such as like having a job or career, pursuing meaningful activities, making friends, dating, et cetera. You know, so it's Mm -hmm. this combination of excessive anxiety and disruption in life that tells us that anxiety has become a problem. Gotcha. So then how does anxiety specifically affect artists in a negative way? Sure. You know, basically, anxiety disorders are characterized by a variety of symptoms, um, and one of the most common is excessive and intrusive worrying. Um, mm-hmm. Other signs, which I'm sure we all know, are agitation, restlessness, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, irritability, tense muscles, trouble sleeping, and um, there are different <laughs> categories of anxiety disorders. But basically Mm -hmm. what differentiates the anxiety disorders is the specific content of the fears underlying that anxiety and the different strategies that people use to cope. So for example, and I'll just do very basic, uh, you know, definitions here, clients with a specific phobia, you know, so there's basically, there's three types of phobias. Um, there's Mm -hmm. specific phobia, social phobia, also known as social anxiety. Um, and there's agoraphobia, right? So clients with specific phobias are characterized by irrational fear of a specific situation or object, right? And their coping strategy is to avoid this feared object, right? So that would be like fear of blood, fear of flying, fear of dogs, right? Um, Then there's generalized anxiety disorder, which is more of like this free-floating anxiety that spans across, wow, across multiple situations. So it causes people to be hypervigilant and chronically worry about everyday life events. And that's generalized anxiety disorder, which is very exhausting. Um, Clients with panic (laughs) disorder, the biggest fear is actually bodily harm. 
So, you know, they have all this physiological responses right away. So they Mm -hmm. misinterpret the bodily sensations as significantly more dangerous than they actually are. Right. So, you know, when someone has a panic attack, they might actually think they're having a heart attack. And it's real to them. It is okay. real. You know, it's scary. Right. Um, and in social phobia, which is, you know, also known as social anxiety disorder, um, you know, people exhibit a fear of being judged and negative, negatively evaluated by others in the context of social okay. or performance situations. Um, you know, when individuals with social anxiety are overly anxious or nervous when meeting new people or in situations when they're being observed by others, you know, they get extremely worried that they may be doing something embarrassing, you know, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like, even if you think, wow, someone just saw me blush. Now I have anxiety about the fact that someone thinks or something that I'm, I'm anxious, right? There's, <laughs> there's anxiety about the anxiety, right, absolutely. right? Well, I feel like that's also a huge part of, of being an artist is like networking and having to be in social situations and to be on all the Mm, time. Exactly. And to have, you know, that's like completely unrelated to your art, but then also completely related at the same time. Like, you know, how you're perceived as a person and are you likable? Are you, are you someone you want to work with? Like, I feel like that's just a whole other worm can. Oh, that's yeah. Of being an artist, definitely, definitely, and that is part of 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 you know the anxiety that's kind of inherent in our profession. And actually, to kind of you know go further on what you're just saying, as far as you know social anxiety goes, yes, it's you know when it's diagnosed, it's basically we we go through the, the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. That's where we find our diagnoses for things, and basically we just go through certain criteria. And if you match a certain number of criteria for a certain amount of time, it's, it's likely that you'll get a certain diagnosis. For social anxiety disorder, you know, yes, there, like I said, there's that fear of, of negative judgment, fear of rejection and humiliation and embarrassment. And yes, as you're saying, and as I say that out loud, that sounds like an audition <laughs> to me. That's like everything you ever right. feel before every audition. So interestingly enough, there is in this fabulous little DSM over here, um, it's not so little, um, there is under social anxiety disorder, there is a specifier that says performance anxiety. So performance mm-hmm. anxiety is when you have all of these feelings that kind of correlate with normal social anxiety, but it only happens when you're performing. So it's like, interesting. For, yeah. So for people who can like go to parties and are, you know, and are fine in normal situation, you know, everyday situations, um, they don't have this, you know, this fear, this, you know, irrational fears of how other people are viewing them. It only happens when they're auditioning. And it's not only actors. It could happen with, you know, I'll call them normies. (laughs) People who are not actors. Um, (laughs) Happens with the normies too, right? Like if they're in a regular profession where all of a sudden they're asked to do some public speaking, whoa, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's actually one of the biggest anxieties we have. Um, is, is, is performance anxiety when it comes to that. So the reason I'm even saying that is because of kind of what you just said, like, wow, that sounds like so much of what we have to deal with in our profession every single day. And I want to assure you that, yes, this is a real thing. Uh, right. it, and it is part of our profession. So, you know, I know we're going to kind of get into and that. And I feel like the, yeah. threat, the, the perceived threat 
isn't always necessarily in our heads either, you know, like there can be some not so nice people that we work Uh with that say things about us, (laughs) you know, um, and, or, or insecure people who, you know, bolster their own egos by putting the other people down, Mm -hmm. you know? So Mm -hmm. I just find that very interesting. Like, yes, it's also, it's social anxiety, but it, it's all, there's also like an element to it that is very real and and not necessarily well you know okay, in your imagination yes, yes there there definitely can be those moments so um you know the common there's a common feeling in anxiety where we basically overestimate the threat or danger of a situation and at the gotcha. same time we're underestimating our own ability own ability to cope right? Our own resources that we have available to us. So there is that and anxiety disorders. Also the big thing that they share, um, despite having anxiety being a main element, um, is that the maladaptive coping strategy that they all share is avoidance. And avoidance is a big one because, um, you know, basically, I mean, to break it down even simpler, anxiety consists of like, what do we say? Three A's. So anxiety is the big A and then we have the little A's. So first A is avoidance, which is basically Mm -hmm. avoiding what we're frightened of. Mm -hmm. So like, I won't go to that audition because I'm afraid of it. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. You got it. Arousal, which is our physiological response, such as sweating, heart raising, dizziness, dry mouth, headaches, what we were talking about before. And the third A Mm -hmm. is apprehension. So apprehension is worrying about things, you know, that haven't happened yet. Our fear of uncertainty or lack of control, our what if thinking, which I'll get into later, um, and anticipating, Mm -hmm. you know, future bad outcomes, right? So we have avoidance, arousal, and apprehension. And the, the danger with the avoidance is that there's actually something called the anxiety avoidance cycle, which basically states that every time we avoid a threat and survive, right? So like you're saying, Mm -hmm. you know, you avoid going to that audition in that moment Mm -hmm. that you avoid going, you are going to actually have a sense of relief, right? Whatever justification you gave yourself, right? In order to avoid, which again, we can get into more later too, but uh, as long along the lines of, well, in order to, you know, you know, I always say that actors are kind of like, you know, we could, you know, we could sell snow to Eskimos. Like we're the best salespeople. And, you know, I think we can also justify anything to ourselves as well. So, you know, it it goes into that whole thing of, oh, well, you know, in order to go to that audition, oh my goodness, all this other stuff is going to have to happen. I'm going to have to take off work or I'm going to have to do this or I'm going to have to do that. Right. And we can kind of talk our way out of needing to go. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but that's all part of that avoidance. So, let's say every time we avoid that, you know, and we, you know, kind of our brains actually think, wow, what a relief that felt good not to go. <laughs> let's avoid that again. Right. <laughs> right. So the avoidance lays down kind of like these neural pathways in our brain and this wiring reinforces that avoidant behavior. So, you know, there, there's physical avoidance. And I also wanted to mention emotional avoidance because that one's pretty real too. So physical is like what it sounds like. You're literally running away or avoiding going somewhere. Right. Um, and emotional avoidance can be seen as like getting drunk before going to a networking party. Right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. You know, um, and actually the probability of someone with social anxiety disorder also having alcohol dependence disorder is actually quite high. 
as you could probably imagine, because that's one of the coping strategies, again, in line with avoidance in general, right? Like, so with social anxiety, we're avoiding social situations that make us uncomfortable. We're avoiding that feeling of being judged, right? So one way to do that, if you know, not physically, if you're not, if you're physically there is to emotionally numb out with some substances, right? I mean, and you think we've mm-hmm. all been at those parties where we're networking, right? And it's like, oh gosh, there's that casting director who's a friend of a friend and I really should go over and talk to him. But, you know, let's just have one shot first. <laughs> right. right. Or two or three, right? <laughs> so yeah, so that that kind of, those, those actual two things actually go hand in hand a lot. Um, so again, that's kind of another, another form of avoidance. Um, so basically long story short with avoidance. So in order to kind of rewire our brains, we need to intervene with actions. So if we allow ourselves to feel and learn to tolerate the anxiety, but we don't actually run away, our brains have a Mm -hmm. chance to see that we are actually safe. Like, oh my gosh, I went to that audition and I actually didn't die. Right. And eventually our bodies stop releasing the flood of these stress hormones. Like we were talking about like adrenaline and cortisol, you know, but Mm -hmm. if, if we only keep avoiding things, then our brains never get the messages that basically disconfirm our fears, right? So we can keep the story going, right? Until we kind of, it's almost like almost we'll do like behavioral experiments in a way, (laughs) like, okay, okay, you know, to kind of retrain our, our, our brain and our feeling of our body automatically perceiving something that's dangerous that really isn't, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Alyssa and I previously had a discussion about the various research studies out there relating to anxiety in artists, and she shared something interesting. While there are several studies about social anxiety in child prodigy musicians and body image issues with dancers, there are almost none focusing on actors. However, Alyssa was able to find one actor-focused study that came out of Australia in 2015. So this is from the Australian Academic Peer-Reviewed Journal from 2015. And researchers found that actors in their study had their mental well-being susceptible to anxiety and depression due to the following, some of the things I've said, a lack of autonomy Mm -hmm. in their profession, lack of control over their employment and general working environment, complex interpersonal relationships, a high (laughs) level of self-criticism, a high level of Mm -hmm. criticism by family and friends for their choice of profession, and a heavy drinking Mm -hmm. culture. Go Ozzy. Okay. <laughs> um, so instability of work also adds to level of anxiety. Um, the actors mm-hmm. in the study uh, discussed their distress over the way power was mobilized in their industry, which we kind of touched on. We're emphasizing that, you know, factors other than work ethic or talent determined career success. I think we've all been there. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, actors discussed how financial instability led to a lack of attaining certain social milestones, kind of like people complaining of having roommates in their 40s, living paycheck to paycheck, delays in benchmarks like set by society, such as owning a house, starting a family, or even being in a serious relationship. 
Um, yes. Participants, um, also known as actors, <laughs> same thing, actors <laughs> in the study reported feeling devalued for their chosen profession, you know, like someone's mom, you know, these are qualitative interviews in the, in the studies, meaning mm-hmm. they're actually interviewing these, these, these actors to get their, their full responses. Um, one of the, one of the participants said something like, you know, she would overhear her mom saying, well, you know, when Lucy gets a real job, you know, she's just doing this until she figures out what she really wants to do. Right. So all of that kind of devaluation of others can lead to feelings of shame and shame is a big thing for, you know, for anxiety, but even more so for depression. Right. Right. So a lot of these things kind of lead to, you know, depression and anxiety. Participants discussed burnout and perfectionism. Here we go again. So the constant Mm -hmm. pursuit of improving oneself driven by Mm -hmm. perfectionism revealed negative impacts, including exhaustion, inability to switch off and a sense of personal failure. The actor's tendency to set unattainable personal standards and exhibit self-criticism was also a result of perfectionism. Almost done. Uh, the high level, <laughs> what we just talked about, the high level of personal identification with being an actor also had ramifications when actors were out of work, right? So during the void between jobs, actors expressed purposelessness, fear, and loss of meaningful identity, right? And half of our, our job is always what's in between, right? I feel like it's more of the right. in between, unfortunately, oh, yeah. that void. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, acting as a calling, right? This is what I meant to do, you know, gave actors a strong sense of identity and meaning, um, on one hand is good. On the other hand, it also led to persistent self-doubt and critical internal voices, um, feelings of unworthiness, heightened self-awareness could be positive and associated with personal growth. Like I said earlier, you know, that's part of what's inherent, I think, you know, in people with characteristics of actors and therapists is our ability to have self-awareness, right? Um, right. But it could also lead to overanalyzing, and this could mm-hmm. lead to, you know, psychological difficulty linking rumination with past failures with depression, right? So there's that too, right? So, um, right. you know, that's kind of, that, that, was in the, that was in the research, Coming up, Alyssa and I discuss perfectionism-based procrastination and how anxiety and depression go hand in hand. Perfectionism-based procrastination, mm-hmm. right? So that's another thing that procrastination, you know, it's, you know, I think some people give it a bad rap and they're like, oh, procrastination means laziness, you know? Nine times out of 10, procrastination is actually part of perfectionism, right? Mm -hmm. And it's our fear to do something that we fear we may fail, right? We fear that, you know, it's going to tell us something about ourselves we don't want to know, right? Yep. (laughs) Um, Yep. So, for instance, you know, like I think we were talking about that last week, and that's why I remembered that was you were kind of saying, you know, sometimes we'll go to auditions or you'll, you'll get like, you can remind me, I think this was your situation where you said you went, you, you got a call back. But then there was a part of you that didn't even want to look at the sides for fear. Right. That... No, I. Yeah, go ahead. So I had, I had gotten a, a call back for a big Broadway show. Okay. Um, and it was one of the first ones. And my mindset was, oh, I, I'm good. I don't need to, to do any more preparing. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And then when I completely bombed 
because I didn't prepare, (laughs) my excuse that I told myself was, oh, well, I really didn't prepare for this. So that's, that's why I didn't do as well Uh, as I should. But I'm I'm really, I'm good. I just, I didn't prepare. So I didn't really lose much. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was my mindset. That makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that's, you know, kind of, (laughs) that kind of becomes like a, a bad cycle too, because what happens is I think, subconsciously, yeah, you probably already had that in your mind, right? Where it's like, okay, if I, you know, I could prepare for this right now, but you know, if I fully prepare and then I go in and then I fail, right? Because of course we go to that extreme. Mm -hmm. I fail. I didn't get the call back. Um, then I can say to myself, well, like you said, like, well, if, if I fully prepare, then I, I would have got it. Right. And there's that sense of like, um, you know, well, you know, now I, you know, there's that sense of relief in that moment, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, you know, so that the problem is, is that relief in that moment, right? Which basically when you procrastinated and didn't, um, didn't review your sides and, you know, and didn't prepare again, that was a form of avoidance, right? Right. So absolutely. when, you know, so again, it becomes like this <laughs> double-edged sword. So in, in one moment you're saying to yourself, okay, if I really did prepare, I would have done better. So now that I didn't get the call back, phew, right? So we have that moment of relief. Like, Mm -hmm. but the problem is, is that then when that happens, uh, anxiety's best friend, I don't know if you can hear me, but I'm knocking, (laughs) comes knocking at the door, (laughs) okay? And anxiety's best friend is depression. Mm -hmm. And... Depression basically will have us kind of ruminate (laughs) on all of the regrets (laughs) of the past and the things that we wish we Uh had done differently, whereas Mm -hmm. anxiety is more future focused, right? So anxiety is more, you know, we're worried about, you know, the things that could happen. And usually when we're anxious, we always go to the worst case scenario of what could happen. Um, Right. But with that being said, you know, when we're going, you know, Let's say you, you know, in that one moment, you have that relief of, okay, I didn't get the part, but it's because I didn't, it's because I didn't prepare. So there's a sense of relief in that, right? Right. But then, you know, two seconds later, all of a sudden we're thinking things like, and I've been there, which is why I can say it. um, (laughs) Oh my, okay, Alyssa, you get your, you know, you get your freaking Broadway callback maybe two times a year, right? And you didn't fully prepare and you know, we don't like, what, what are you doing this for? Why are you even doing this? Right. Like, right. <laughs> you, like you're wasting your shot. You're wasting your chances. Why are you sacrificing every day to be in this profession? If you're not going to give it your all when it counts. Right. So all of a yep. sudden now, instead of anxiety, now I'm in this depressive rut, right. Where I wish right. I would have, I could have, you know, regret that, you know what, I, I didn't give it my all regret that I don't have enough confidence in myself that if I did do, you know, if I really did prepare that I would have had a shot. Right. So you can kind of see yep. that's like a small example of anxiety and depression, how they kind of go hand in hand. Yep. Working. Yeah. Hand. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right. Okay. So yeah. So let me see, where was I? So, okay. So as far as again, going into like actor world, right. And auditions Mm -hmm. in particular, right. Auditions present like this perfect storm of conditions, you know, almost guaranteed to induce the performance anxiety, (laughs) even in the most, you know, 
seasoned artist. Ideal you know? situation. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you know, perfectionism, like I was talking about, you know, that kind of can, can kind of keep coming up. And the depression that I was talking about, again, depression and anxiety are best friends that go hand in hand. But part of that could be, you know, if you're being overlooked for an audition or you're, you're really upset because you didn't get this part you wanted or you have mm-hmm. a career threatening injury. Right. Um, right. Or you're, you know, you're forced to choose between, you know, your performing career and your demands of, let's say, you know, a romantic career or starting a family or, you know, for me, contemplating leaving a profession that has defined one's identity. That was rough for me. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So, but again, you know, so I, I'm, I'm hoping you're starting to kind of see the bigger picture. I mean, as, as I'm kind of talking about how Absolutely. closely related, you know, all of this, you know, anxiety and depression. And again, I could do a whole nother podcast on depression another day. (laughs) (laughs) It's a whole nother bag of worms. But I want to let people know that sometimes it really is, it's a lot of the same kind of brain vulnerabilities, basically, where um, it could just be manifested in a different way, right? So if it goes towards depression, someone's going to look sad. If it goes towards anxiety, someone's going to look worried, right? But a lot of it is the same kind of stuff going on. So I hope this has given you a good overview of what anxiety is and how it specifically affects artists. With each episode, we'll be taking a closer, more in-depth look at each of the concepts that were discussed today. Thank you for listening. And thanks to my guest, Alyssa Goldstein. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share. I'll be back for one more episode with Alyssa next week, where we'll chat about the different types of therapy that are available to artists, and if you're considering therapy, what to look for in a therapist. Until then, be healthy and stay creative. Anxiety in the Artist is produced by Grosta Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Music and engineering is by Bosco Chef.